Roxo Media House. Welcome back, Fortituders. J.W. Wilson, Britton Payne here on another episode of uh, Fortitude, the podcast. Uh, today's a special one, folks. Uh, we have a special friend with us today, Kathy Lynn. And I can't even get through the story without crying, but <laughs> Kathy Lynn is an 89 grad of TCU. Uh, she was she swam at TCU under coach the, the legendary coach Richard Sebesma. Uh, Britton, you probably know who that is because you're not you know sports inclined. It's okay. <laughs> But Kathy went on to went on to the NCAAs in her swimming career for the relays. So she's part of a pretty unique time in TCU's life. But Richard Sebasmo is, is a legend, and we love this guy. Uh, this lady, Kathy Brenton, uh, she's been through something. And luckily, grateful for us, uh, grateful to you, she's going to share her story with us today. Um, she's she's went through something that most people never get to experience. And those who hear this story uh, have have drawn great power from it because it's, it's inspirational. And you're about to hear why. So forgive me for my tears. <laughs> and I've known you a long time, Kathy. You're a friend. We live in the same neighborhood. I consider you a good friend. Um, and I love the, the strength and, and the respect you have for what's going on in this part of the world for you. So thank you again for being here. Thank you. Uh, we, please, I just want to tee it up. Please tell your story, and we'll, we'll, go, in direct, we'll go in this direction that, that makes sense to you. So thank you, Kathy. Thank Thanks you, Jaden. Sure. Thank you. Um, so my story is that... Um, I am a TCU grad. I'm a physical therapist and uh, I'm a mom and I have uh, three children and um, I have a a daughter who's now 23, a son who's 19 and uh, my youngest son, Nathan, should be 14 this year. Um, He passed in 2016 from brain, after a 10 month battle with brain cancer. So um, that is the story that I'm here today to tell. And that starts, um, uh, with Nathan, um, he was our, our third child, very much expected, very much anticipated and wanted. It wasn't a surprise. And mm-hmm. he was, you know, four years younger than his, his middle brother. So it gave me time to mm-hmm. really focus on him. And I really enjoyed knowing he was our last child, you know, that right. was going to be. He was, was in the same grade as my son, Ryder was, Wilson. So yeah, yes. they, they were in uh, class together and they were friends. It's about and, the time we got so, to know you guys a little bit. Yes, so yes, yes. Um, and a writer was a very special friend, too, uh, very kind. And um, Nathan always overestimated his athletic abilities, and Ryder's very athletic. And, and one time Nathan challenged Ryder to a race at the park. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Andrew, Nathan was uh, riding his little plastic Hot Wheel um, mm-hmm. and Ryder was riding a bicycle without training wheels and Ryder kind of <laughs> looked at him like he was crazy, <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. but he, uh, he was kind, he beat him, but he could have lapped him five times and he just beat him by about five yards. And I appreciated that. Oh, so good. That's good. your son. Glad, and glad to hear I'm, that. That's something a- <laughs> positive for change in my son's life. Yes. So anyway, uh, Nathan was, uh, kind of, you know, he's our baby, so he was spoiled a little bit, mm-hmm. but, um, and it's, a uh, very smart kid, um, very uh, funny kid, very talented with, um, well, not very athletic, but very <laughs> talented in other ways. And um, loved to play chess, loved TCU, everything TCU. Was a huge, huge fan. Um, and we went to football games and basketball games, and mm-hmm. um, he just really enjoyed all of that. So um, when he was uh, seven, the summer he was seven, he started having some headaches and um 
uh, they became, they were at first kind of sporadic and then they were coming daily and, and then they were coming daily and he was having episodes of vomiting too. So I, we were about to leave for a trip for Colorado and I called my pediatrician and told him about it. And he said, you know, if you weren't leaving, I'd say, let's just watch this. But since you're leaving on this trip, let's get, um, an MRI and just make sure since you've got these two symptoms going on. So we did. And took him for the MRI. To, it was on a Saturday. We had planned we were going to go to breakfast afterwards because this was going to be a big nothing. And um, uh, we were at the uh, satellite clinic. There was no doctors there. It was just the tech and us. It was a very quiet mm-hmm. day. And she does the MRI, and I'm sitting in the room with her while they're doing the MRI. And she comes out after the MRI, and she walks over to me, and she just she's pale and she doesn't look good. And she said, um, come over with me and pick up your baby. And he's seven. So he's not a baby, but I go over and I I do what she says. I pick him up and his legs are hanging down to the floor and we're walking into the, uh, her office room. And she said, there's a positive finding on the exam. And so a positive finding on an MRI is not a good thing. Um, Mm -hmm. they found a tumor. Um, Mm -hmm. and so she sat me, she, we took Nathan to be with my mom who and my best friend who were there. Um, my husband was working. And so, um, cause we didn't expect this to really be anything big. And, um, and she sat me down while she called cooks because this, this was an emergency. It was a huge mm-hmm. tumor in the middle of his brain. And, um, I'm sitting there looking at the, the screen and I'm a physical therapist. So I know my anatomy and I could tell that this wasn't a good thing. This, I mean, there's never a good thing if you have a brain tumor, but this was a very large brain tumor. So they sent us to cooks. We didn't get to go have our breakfast that we were going to go have. Instead, we ended up in the ER, um, seeing a neurosurgeon and, um, it was a nightmare and the beginning of our nightmare. Mm -hmm. And we didn't know anything for certain. Um, we didn't know it was malignant or anything, and we weren't going to know till they were able to do a biopsy. But the neurosurgeon that we saw um, came in and said he could just obviously with his years of experience look at the MRI. And he said, um, this is serious, and you all are going to need to share this with your friends and your family, um, your church, your school, everybody. And this is just there in the ER before knowing anything for certain. And uh we're a very private family. We've always been very private people. And so the thought of that was just kind of like, Oh, well, no, this is our business and this is a terrible thing. And, um, but he said, this is going to be really important. You cannot do this by yourself. And he did not end up being our neurosurgeon. He referred us on to someone else, uh, a Dr. Honeycutt who specialized Mm -hmm. in this type of, of, surgery and um but I will always remember those words of his because that really set the tone for the direction that we took mm-hmm. as we were very open and very and shared a lot um shared our entire journey with everybody and needed to um so he we actually were able to go home from the hospital that day and do his surgery electively a few days later with Dr. Honeycutt who's amazing mm-hmm. and um he uh, Nathan came through the surgery with flying colors he uh, they had prepared us that he may be in rehab for weeks or months or mm-hmm. he wasn't. He left the hospital in five days after his surgery and um, he was doing fantastic. Um, he, This all happened. It started at the end of July. School started about the third week of August. He was there for the first day of school. So um, it was pretty amazing. 
and our school, we go to All, all Saints. All three of my kids have gone to All Saints and uh, they were amazing and um, worked in conjunction with cooks to bring in a child life specialist to talk to Ryder and all their classmates about what was going to be happening with Nathan, that he was going to have radiation, he was going to have chemo and, um, and what to expect from that, that he was going to be probably only at school for half days, that there was going to be a period of time where he couldn't do recess or um, PE and things like that. But, and that if, they had questions that they needed to ask them and they just mm-hmm. went through. So none of this was going to be a surprise to them when he, when his hair fell out and when all of these things, different things happened. So that was, they were prepared for us and I'll always be grateful for that. Yes, so during the, before we were discharged home though, we got his diagnosis um, during, from the biopsy and it was, um, he had a glioblastoma multiform, which is the most common brain cancer in adults, but, extremely rare in children and it's a difficult diagnosis in adults um, but it's even more difficult in a child because there's really nothing that the standard of treatment for it is the same as it's been for over 50 years is so. it because of the location of it is it because what, what makes it so difficult do you know um because of the type of tumor it is it's called a glioma and mm-hmm. so it has like little tent, they call them tentacles that go off into your mm-hmm. brain tissue. And because of that, they can go in there. Nathan had over 90% of his tumor removed during surgery. It was a su- very successful surgery. Um, but we knew, and, and we were grateful Dr. Honeycutt at his knowledge could have got his entire tumor out, but from where it was located, if he had done that, Nathan would have been left with a lot of deficits Mm -hmm. and just the nature of this tumor. Even if he had gotten everything he could see that those little tentacles are embedded in your brain and it comes back. It always comes back. So, so as a mom, like, so, and where you, where's your mind that, I understand how quickly these things happen, you know, and what these discussions are like, like with your spouse, just what is going on, you know, like, I mean, and so maybe, and I'm not trying to do this to like, like, oh, really show us your, but it's really from a parent's point of view, maybe you can just express a little bit of just what those conversations were, you know, um, at that time, because I know that one gets on this, like ramp of this thing and you're just going, you're going crazy yeah. as a parent too. So. Cause it is your worst nightmare as mm-hmm. a parent. It mm-hmm. really is. And it's the thing that you always, when you see it happen in other people, you pray for them and, mm-hmm. and you're, you're empathetic for them, but a little part of your brain goes, thank goodness that's not me. Sure. And then it was us. Yeah. And so the very first morning after being in the ER, we woke up on a Sunday morning and I looked at my husband, who's a cardiac surgeon. So he's used to this is Jeff. medical Jeff, stuff. Yep. Yes. Jeff, my husband, he, I looked at him and I said, how do we do this? How are we going to do this? And this before we really had some concrete answers about what it was, but and as Jeff said, there is no, cause I kept saying, what if it's a bad tumor? He's like, there is no good brain tumor, you know, no yeah. matter what we're facing, this is mm-hmm. going to be difficult. And so he said, this is a marathon and not a sprint, mm-hmm. you know, and truly that was yeah. wise. That really was set the tone for how we were going to do this. Cause I wanted it fixed. I wanted him to have his surgery and get the tumor out and then we could get back to life. Yeah. 
And the reality was that that wasn't what was going to happen. So um, we had an interesting dynamic because he's a surgeon. He's a heart surgeon, though. He's used to being able to go in and help people fix people. Well, as you are, too. Right. Like, I mean, you guys are both in this medical profession and you're there's probably some part of you doing this because you don't have to do it at home. Right. Right. It's kind of the thought like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And to know that this wasn't something. Yeah. That. We weren't, obviously we didn't have all the answers, but to know that this was something that we may not be able to fix mm-hmm. and um, it changed right. our, uh, it totally changes your parenting strategy. Yeah. And and then we had two other children too. Yeah. And we had Nathan. So, yeah. <laughs> and we couldn't just, yeah. like I just wanted, part of you wants to crawl in a hole and just, you know, mm-hmm. and then the other is like, gosh, I can't because right. I'm still a mom. He's still a dad and they're depending on us. Mm-hmm. And, um, so... All right. Can you walk us through the the next part of that journey? Is that okay? Absolutely. So um, we did get the the biopsy uh, report was that he had the glioblastoma, and the so before we left the hospital, our um, neuro oncologist told us that um, talked to us about our options. Said you have three options. Um, one is to do nothing else. You've done the surgery and you could do nothing else. You wouldn't have to be coming back for doctor's appointments. And this part of your journey would be over. He probably has about six months if you do that. And he said, that's a good and loving choice. And he said, the second thing is you can do the standard of treatment, which is the surgery like you've done and then do radiation. And that'll keep it at bay for a little while. And he said, that's a good and loving choice. And he said, the radiation really minimal side effects. And he said, your third choice is there is a clinical trial that Nathan qualifies for. And um, he said, you can do that. And this particular clinical trial would involve a chemo drug. And he said, and it's not a very, uh, it won't be one that's real hard on him. Mm -hmm. And um, so uh, it really doesn't have a lot of bad side effects. You would just have to, he'd have to come in every other week for an infusion. And he said, so other than that, being here more, that's a good and loving choice. So when you're given three options, so different. Um, and they're all good and loving choices. You know, that none of them are good choices. You know, they're all loving choices, but there really wasn't a good choice. So for us, because the, it wasn't a hard choice for us because the chemo, the the third option wasn't something that was going to make his quality of life less. Mm -hmm. And it had gave us the possibility, uh, the small bit of hope that Mm -hmm. maybe this would make a difference. And so we chose that. And, right. and signed him up for that. And um, his first day of school was his first day of radiation. And um, we went and did that. They were amazing. Um, they made him, they have to bolt your head down to a table for the radiation. And his radiation tech asked him if he wanted to make his radiation mask into some superhero. And um, Nathan said, Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. And he had never done that before, but he made that for us. Mm-hmm. And so going to radiation, Nathan loved it. It wasn't. Right. It, it wasn't hard for him because they treated him so nicely and um, it was hard for me. It was yeah. really hard. Put him in there, lock his head down on the table mm-hmm. and get behind this door to protect me from radiation that they're shooting into his brain. You know, that's, mm-hmm. but he, I, I give them so much credit that it was not a scary experience for him at all. So we did that for six and a half weeks. We also started um, chemo after that, which wasn't that difficult either um, for him. It didn't make him sick. Um, it was every other week and they were amazing. Mm-hmm. And at Cook, there, I can't say enough good things about them. In the middle of all that, we were granted a wish um, through Make-A-Wish, mm-hmm. and which is also another organization that is near and dear to my heart. Um, they, he wanted to go to Disney World and uh, 
we had told the nurse that we wanted to take him to Disney World. And she said, oh, you'll get a wish. And I said, well, we, we can pay for this. We, we don't need to have it granted, have a wish granted. We can do this. And she said, no, you can't. <laughs> and she said, you can't do it like Make-A-Wish can do it. And she was right. And that was just phenomenal. Mm. And um, they have their own resort there for Wish Kids. Oh, wow. And it's just, it was the best week of our lives together as mm. a family in the middle of of this dark which should have been a dark time it yeah. really was the best week of yeah. our lives together so you forgot was, about life for a while maybe we absolutely did yep that we had not a worry in the world and um, we were able to go to the parks you get to the front of the lines the resort we stayed at was just phenomenal right. and yeah um, nathan had a great time and the other really neat thing is they really make your the siblings they make it special for the siblings yeah. too because their lives have been turned upside down and there's so much attention on the uh, there was in our family on Nathan um, mm-hmm. that they were treated just as special as he right. was. So that was wonderful. And then we, we came back from that, had an amazing Thanksgiving. Both sides of our family came together for the first time since we got married, actually. Really? Everybody was together. Yeah. And Nathan was feeling good and doing really well. We had a great Christmas. Um, we got an MRI report right before Christmas that his tumor was shrinking. What was left of it was shrinking. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that gave us hope and things just, we, we seem to be kind of in a golden period at mm-hmm. that time. And, um, and then after the first of the year, he uh, was still continuing to do good, but then started kind of slowing down just a little bit. We had another MRI that, that said things were good. So we were, but right around Easter, um, he really started slowing down. And, oh, I have to back up because Rich, you mentioned Richard. Um, Richard was my, Richard Sabismo was my swim coach. And he was still the coach when, at this time, see, he was there for 38 years. He uh, found out about Nathan and he uh, wanted to, uh, we did a, he signed him to the to National Letter of Intent. And Nathan had a signing day ceremony and yeah. everything to join the swim team. Because Nathan was a swimmer. He swam on a summer league swim team. And that was just amazing. We had the news there. And yeah. mm-hmm. It was a really big special day. It yes, really indeed. made him feel he got to swim a length of the pool. And the team was just mm-hmm. amazing. And then Richard had him come after that day. They had their um, their end of year um banquet and Richard invited him to that. And, and by that time, Nathan was kind of slowing down a bit and not doing quite as well. And we didn't think it was his tumor. We thought maybe it was the chemo. The doctors were thinking that and, um, or maybe just being tired from all this, right? Like a, like an emotional, yeah. I need a rest kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So we weren't necessarily alarmed, but he definitely was slowing. And so I told Richard, I didn't think he'd make it through the whole banquet. He said, just have him come just for, they were going to do a special video. So they, we got there about halfway through and he said, well, here's our, you know, special guest, Nathan. And Nathan walks into the front of this big banquet room and everybody stands up, gives him a standing ovation, you know, and he sat and watched, we watched the video and then we left. And, um, but I thought, wow, look at him. You know, he's had all these opportunities. Um, a part of our wish trip too, right before our wish trip, uh, at the time, Trayvon Boykin was Nathan's, mm-hmm. you know, just adored him. And Trayvon was the one that made his announcement for him that he was going to um, Disney World, oh, did cool. a video announcement because it was yeah. the middle of football season. Um, and they, Jack Hasselbrock was um, 
instrumental in helping set that up. And then he also, right before our trip, Nathan got to meet the football team and he was just on cloud nine. That was amazing. So he, uh, that set our, that wish trip off to a really, really great start. And so I'm sorry to backtrack like that. It's just everybody's done so many kind things for us. (laughs) And, uh, so then shortly in the, in the spring, um, right around Easter, he, he really started declining and, um, we ended up like he wasn't eating. He stopped going, being able to go to school. He was really, really tired. And so we ended up in the hospital and, um, they wanted to do another scan and they also thought, um, they did some blood work that looked like, oh, maybe it's meningitis that he has. So here I am in his hospital. We were admitted and I'm in the hospital room praying that my son has spinal meningitis because that would be so much better than him having a recurrence of that the brain tumor was growing. And so it wasn't meningitis and it turns out that the tumor was back. And I think that was one of the harder parts for me. Um, My husband, again, who has his medical background and he's so strong and sort of matter of fact, he's always that, well, it is what it is kind of thing. Well, when we sat in the room with the neuro-oncologist and he went over the MRI results with us, Jeff was debating him on every point um, of what he thought he saw. And, And it wasn't like completely obvious that it was back, but there were indicators that it was back. And Jeff was like one... I was stunned. I was just crying and stunned. And Jeff was just like, well, no, couldn't it be this? And no, couldn't it be that? And that's not typically him. But so so to see him fighting that like that was hard. Um, So we were told at that time, really, the best thing for us to do is go home on hospice care. And so we did. And um, there was another organization that was amazing in our journey. One we never wanted to be a part of, but... um, community hospice is mm-hmm. who we worked with and they were wonderful. They have, they are one of the, one of only two in the area that do pediatrics. And, um, so Nathan came home and, um, he was home for about six weeks on hospice care and mm-hmm. that was very difficult. Um, but, uh, um, I, we had child life specialists that, um, the, that really was really helpful to me. She typically a child life specialist would be working with Nathan, Mm -hmm. but he was Mm -hmm. not very responsive at the time. Just so just slept all the time. Um, But she uh, was amazing and really helped me to help Amanda and Andrew and, um, and also in how to talk to Nathan. And she really encouraged me to tell him that he was dying. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, you don't want that's How do you do that? Yeah. Um, she assured me that he probably knew that already. And, um, she brought over books and things and I found one I really liked and it was called, I wonder what you do on your first day in heaven. And it talks about a terminally ill child and has beautiful pictures. It's a very simple Mm -hmm. book. So he had his first episode of, uh, distress, like respiratory distress. The first time I really thought he might not make it through the night, um, the night before mother's day. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I realized that morning I was like, I can't let him this happen. He didn't, I mean, he would, we, he was, we stabilized him and everything. Um, but I thought I can't, I do need to let him know what's happening. I don't want him to be scared. And to, so on mother's day of 2016, that morning I had to talk with him about that. You're going to heaven and that's okay. He didn't talk back to me, but he was, he could, he was letting, I, I could tell that he mm-hmm. could hear me. Um, 
and that that was okay. And he had our permission to go. And, um, and that that was, she told the child life specialist said that was really important that you want him to know that it's okay to leave mom and dad and that it's, you know, this is, um, we'll be there eventually, but you, you go ahead of going ahead of us. Mm -hmm. And so I did that and that became a routine of reading that book to him every day, Mm -hmm. just in preparation. So my husband came in later that morning. I said, I went ahead and talked to him and I, I told him he's going to heaven and I, you know, I told him he could leave us. So Jeff sits down and he said, you know, it's good that mom, mom told you that. And she's right. And he goes, but you don't have to go till you're ready. Mm. <laughs> and he said, mm. like, like, you know, just yeah. make sure yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're not trying to scoot you out yeah. just, just when you're ready. So again, that was kind of a different side of him. Sure. That, you do know, you think he understood Kathy, what was going on? In I his, do in think his brain? he understood. I really do think he understood. He, he couldn't interact with us very much, but mm. he, um, he was still, um, two things like one time I, when he was doing uh, radiation, I had a little playlist made for him of Disney songs and kid stuff that I thought he would like that he could listen to because he would be in there for like 20 minutes. And Jeff came one time and he's like, what's this garbage you're listening to? What is this? And, and I said, well, that's his music. He likes that. Jeff said, I've got something better for you to listen to. And he played um, Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. Mm-hmm. And I thought he's that's going to be torture for him in there listening mm-hmm. to that. Loved it. That oh, became... Yeah. he loved it and he um listened would listen to it at other times too and one time in those last couple weeks before he when he was still pretty much unresponsive jeff was sitting in there playing that music with him and he lifted up his arm and he just kind of Mm. started almost like he was conducting a little bit you know and then julie yader came and visited his kindergarten teacher who he adored and she adored him she came for a visit the last week of his life and um and she was talking to him and she, she was amazing because she didn't go in and say, Oh, I'm so sorry, Nathan. Mm-hmm. Or, or, she talked to him just like he was still her kindergarten student. Mm. And she had a one-sided conversation with Nathan, but you would have never known that he was dying, you know, right. the way that she was speaking to him. And, and he reached up to touch her face. Mm. Um, and so I know he was hearing yes. us and was able to, so those were difficult. Obviously, that was a very difficult time. It was about six weeks. He deteriorated more and more every week. And um, I slept in his room on a cot next to his bed. I would sleep with my hand on his chest. And I would wake up and be scared to death that he wasn't breathing. And then I would be to realize he was breathing. And then I would feel so sad that he was breathing and that this was continuing for him. It was such a, it's a very weird Emotional, emotional state yeah, yeah. it yeah. really is yeah. because you're as a parent you're supposed to nurture your child and help mm-hmm. them grow and um our task at that time was to help him die mm. and that and they made that pretty clear to you like yeah. it, it was a good instruction i mean do you are you grateful for oh, that yeah yeah absolutely and, and i don't mean that in like oh so thank but i mean it like sometimes you need that because i can what I'm envisioning is like you and your husband going into the other room and go and like, how are you all living and how are you raising two other children? Not to take away from this, but just the strength that's needed there, yeah. you know? Well, we had an amazing support group of friends and, and people who stepped in and especially uh, my next door neighbor, um, Natalie, she was, uh, she took care of organizing everything for us and she organized food and she took care of my kid Amanda and Andrew and got them to school and um after Nathan died 
they got their report cards and they both did really well on their report cards. And at that last semester, which kind of surprised me. And um, I went out to see Natalie and I said, Natalie, you should be really proud because you've been their mother for this past six months. You know, you, you took over for me and it wasn't just Natalie. We had everybody with, there was people stepping in and um, uh, just helping us at every opportunity. So it was really, really amazing Mm -hmm. to know that I, 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 at that time, those last six weeks, I couldn't really be a mother to yeah. Amanda yeah. and Andrew because yeah. it was 100% focused on yeah. So, um, So he, um, the day that he he died, um, we knew that it was coming. He had um, been getting IV fluids and um, for comfort. And mm-hmm. so that was a discussion Jeff and I were having with the nurse about some guidance about when do we stop that it became pretty obvious that was the only thing keeping him alive yeah. um and so when do we stop that and I kind of expected her to say it's you need to stop that now you know that he's not obviously going to get better and why are you pro-? she said you'll know when it's time to stop it there was no rush no push no anything and so Jeff and I had a talk and we, it was a Thursday and he said you know what let's just see how he let's make it through this weekend. If he makes it through the weekend, we'll, we'll decide on Monday if we should stop the fluids or not. And so we agreed on that. And, and again, for him, he said, I've had this talk with so many families about taking people off life support and doing that. And he said, but it's so different when it's, when it's your child. So that was Thursday. And then Friday morning, he started the active dying process. So he saved us from having to make that decision. And I'll always be so grateful for that. Mm he, we didn't have to just turn that off. You know, that was, um, um, I'll, I'm grateful that sure. things worked out that way. So Friday was a long day and he, but we were, thankfully the process started in the morning. We were able to get all of our family with us and everybody was, we're all crammed into his room. Um, he had, it, I wish I could say it was completely peaceful, but it wasn't. He had seizures and things. and But after the seizures, he really became pretty unresponsive, very unresponsive, and didn't seem to be in any pain or anything. And I told my husband, I said, what I really want to do is hold him. He's been at a part of the process, and I guess it's normal with brain cancer, is you're just, just touching him and moving him caused pain. Mm-hmm. But at this point, it didn't seem like that was happening anymore. And I said, I just really, I really want to hold him. And Jeff, the practical one, I expected him to say, you know, you know, that's probably not a good idea. But he said, no, nope. he said, you're right. You need to hold him. He said he started his life in your arms and he should end his life in your arms too. So we had his glider in the room, the one that I used to nurse him in when he was a baby. <laughs> oh, wow. And I sat in the glider and he put Nathan in arms and, um, you know, this in my arms and my lap mm-hmm. and all the way down because <laughs> he was a big kid. And, um, probably for a couple of hours we sat and rocked and, um, played his music and, and the family was there. And, uh, so we're getting, you can tell when somebody is nearing the end and, um, he said, uh, I mean, he, um, started breathing differently yeah. and, um, and then my, it was my husband, everybody said he, he just smiled. And I was like, what? I couldn't really see cause he was facing out from me. And so they're all like, yes, he smiled. And so this time I, I looked over to see, and he did it one more time. He smiled with his last breath and, mm. and then he left. And so mm-hmm. it was, um, really difficult, but I know that 
to me anyway, he saw his, we've been talking about his grandfather who died years before, um, mm-hmm. who he had never met, but I told him he would be waiting for him and Jesus <laughs> and that to go to them. Which order and, on that? Yeah, both. Okay. They'd be standing it's there same, together. Same. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you said Jesus. Yeah. So I know you're a religious woman. Where's, where, where, where's God in all this? Oh, all over it. Definitely. And, um, I realized you realize when you don't have any control over it, like I'm a control freak. So having the knowing this whole thing was difficult and knowing that no, no matter what I could do, no matter what you fed him, no matter what you mm-hmm. medicines you gave him, you don't have the control. Yeah. And so, um, I don't know. I know some people struggle when you have situations like this about where is God, how could God let this happen? I don't believe God lets things like this happen. I don't think God's a chess master up yeah, in there, up true. in heaven. Uh, or I don't think God just, you know, decides you're going to live and you're going to die. And I think things happen. And then I look at what our family went through, the strength that we had to get through the things that we had to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think how I couldn't have done that by myself and we didn't do it by ourselves. Right. And um, if God's hand hadn't been all over it, mm-hmm. that, that wasn't me. I didn't, he, the guidance and the strength and the comfort were Very there. Well Do you ever look back and, and almost get emotional, not just from that, but just on the kindness of other, like where people were for you all kind of in the ground, like just as it hits you out of the, like, all the my God, like these still. people were so, <laughs> like they gave so much, you, yes. you, you know, like. Still so much. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, my sister, I had made a comment about, and it was, it was amazing. Everybody stepped up for us and just carried us through this very dark time and difficult time. And I, I made a comment to my sister once and I said, well, so-and-so has done this other nice thing for us, another nice yeah. thing. And she said, well, the ripple continues. And then that kind of became our little motto for Nathan. Nathan's life is to be the ripple mm-hmm. and to be the ripple of kindness and Explain um, that so how ripple work. I know the story, but that's a love. It's lovely. Yeah, it's really been fitting for us to mm-hmm. to, and we talk about it a lot at All Saints. I'm I go back every year. We have um, Nathan Day every year in February oh, cool. around his birthday, and I speak to the students and we talk about what what being the ripple is and how one small act of kindness can can ripple out and touch so many people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes we think you have to do really big things to have an impact in the mm-hmm. world and. From our experience with Nathan, I've seen that it's the small things that added up and really that made such an incredible mm-hmm. difference in our lives yeah. and by so many people. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's our, our little, our little thing that we. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then moving forward, Kathy, um, when did you know that you needed to speak about this and talk about them to make it more. I don't know if it's if real is the right word, but obviously yes. you're, the strength that you're exuding here is, is, is amazing, by the way. But when did you realize that talking about Nathan was therapeutic for you? I think anybody who's lost a child, your greatest fear after they die is that they'll be forgotten. Mm-hmm. And um, you they just they haven't been on earth that long, you know, and um, you just feel like you have to keep sharing their story. It's important became important to me to be the person. Mm -hmm. And I told him I would do this too, that I was going to tell his story. I was going to carry his legacy. And, um, so it, that I was 
telling JW ahead of time, this is not my, I'm not a person who ever would volunteer to speak in front of people. I used to hate it in school being called on, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but being Nathan's mom uh, has made me want to be able to share his story whenever I can. You've been a pretty darn good job here. I don't know many folks who would have gotten through it with the grace that you've just presented, you know, we just met. So thank you for coming on. I think Nathan is super proud of you. Holy cow. Uh, Amanda and, and, um, um, Andrew, how, how have they, how have they moved on and how have they lived since, since this happened? I, uh, is is it a fair question to ask? Sure. And I know your son fairly well, and I think he's an amazing kid. Um, how does this affect your children? How did it affect your children? I think it's definitely something they're still grappling with. Happen, having it happen, Andrew was 12 and Amanda was 16 mm-hmm. when it happened. I think both of them are kind of different than how I am, how I want to speak about him all the time and talk about him. They come from the angle of they don't want people to feel sorry for them because of it. And um, in fact, Amanda did write about Nathan on her college essay mm-hmm. to get but then when she's in law school now and for that essay, she's like, she told me, she said, I am not, I'm not going to do that. I don't, I feel like I'm almost using him, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, which I don't think it would be, I think it shows how you overcome, but, but if that's, right. so, you know, they're different than I am. They're supportive of yeah. what I'm doing. They're not right, right. as proactive about getting out and speaking about him now, mm-hmm. but that might mm-hmm. be, you know, something that changes. Sure. Where do you, where do you, I think I know the answer, but where do you find the strength to do these things you're doing like right now? Where do you, is it from him? Absolutely from him and from my faith too. And, Mm -hmm. um, I've been fortunate to, I work with an organization called a memory grows and Mm -hmm. we help bereaved parents. We Mm -hmm. offer retreats and, um, support for them. And that's given me an avenue because also the other thing, parents who lose children, you want to find a way to honor them. And um, I looked for a long time and I, I'm involved still with our school and the Be the Ripple. Our church does special ripple mission projects in in honor of Nathan, but this working with a memory grows has given me a way to channel my energy and our experience Mm -hmm. with bereaved parents and be able to, to show them there's hope and there's light in that. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause in the beginning, you don't feel like that Mm -hmm. there is, Mm -hmm. you don't, you don't even understand how you're going to be able to live your life. So yeah, that's sure. been a real blessing to me to yeah. be able to, to sure. do that and to um, honor his legacy that way too. Is it, is it getting easier? Would you say to do what you're doing or is it, I mean, is it, I think um, it changes. It's different. Um, but you know, you can uh, grief and, and living with grief. It's like, you can, it's sort of like being out in the ocean. And then in the beginning, it's like in the beginning, you're out in a very rough sea where you're just getting hit all the time with waves. And, um, as it progresses on, it's, it's like a rogue wave coming out of nowhere. Sometimes will hit you and you don't see it coming and it can be the weirdest little trigger of something that makes it happen. So, Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, so, um, that's a question when we, our parents who, that we work with through our organization, their big question, especially newly bereaved parents is, will it ever get easier? You know? And it's like, well, it's hard to say it ever gets easier, but it gets different Mm -hmm. and it gets maybe not easier, but it's different and it doesn't, it's not as heavy and raw to carry it um, as you're moving 
because you you do carry them with you. And in the beginning it hurts and it hurts all the time. Um, but with time it, um, it's not as much hurt as it is. I, I, the way I explain it to people is Amanda and Andrew, my two older kids, I think about them a lot. I always will. I don't think about them all the time, mm-hmm. but Nathan's not here. And I think about him all the time. I was just He's about to ask, like, if mind. you could put up like a number of times of day and it's yeah. probably in like, it's just. He's just always no kind of with me. Mm-hmm. I, I talk to him in the car, you yeah. know, because <laughs> yeah. he used to sit behind me. So I couldn't see him then yeah. either, you know, mm-hmm. um, before I go to bed every night, I, the very first night when he died, I thought, what do I do? We always had a routine of I'd sing him his little bedtime songs and say goodnight to him. And um, the night that he died, I thought, what do I do? He's not here. And so I thought, I'm going to go outside and sing his bedtime song. So I do that. So my neighbors probably think we're crazy. like I'm crazy mm-hmm. and I'm not a good singer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I go out and I sing his two bedtime songs and I tell him about my day. And I haven't missed a day since mm-hmm. the day that he died. So it's things like that. Even when we're away, I, I go out, <laughs> I, I'll open the window in our hotel room, the curtains and just do it in the room. But yeah. I, I do it every night. That's my little touch base. But he's always with me. What's oh, your favorite great. Nathan memory? You have one that's the, just stands strong in your memory? Gosh. My favorite Nathan memory. There's a lot. Oh, <laughs> this is a hard one. I think it's the day that we found out um, he had, when we found out he had his first good MRI, it was right before Christmas. And um, usually when you get the MRIs, it takes three or four days to get the results back. And we had it on a Friday. And so we did the MRI and I knew we weren't going to hear. And I was just bracing myself for this. It's a horrible feeling waiting to see. And my mom was with me. My mom was wonderful throughout this whole process going with was at every appointment with us, just wonderful with Nathan. And so she was, we were on the way home from the hospital and I said, let's, it was a beautiful day. Let's stop at the Botanic Gardens. So we did, and it was just a gorgeous day and we're walking through the gardens, but this is still weighing real heavy on my mind, mm-hmm. not on Nathan's mind. He's yeah. just happy to be there with grandma. And um, I got a phone call from the doctor's office and, and it was the PA. And she said, I just want to tell you, we got the results back and you know, his, he seems to be responding to the treatment. And I just, I had to tell you, I couldn't have you wait the whole Mm -hmm. weekend. And she said, I knew that this Mm -hmm. is the best Christmas present you could have. And, and it was, and I felt like the Scrooge in a Christmas Carol, like all of a sudden I felt so light Mm -hmm. and I just, and I knew that we, that bought us three months, you know, until our next scan, but it was just the best day ever. And it made it the best Christmas ever. And Nathan was just in such a good mood and we were all over those botanic gardens mm. and I just, everybody we saw, I said, Merry Christmas. You know, mm-hmm. I was just so yeah. happy. And so he, this whole experience and, and Nathan has taught me, given me a different perspective on life. He was a swimmer. So I tell people that you learn to, I've learned to look at um, life through my Nathan goggles mm-hmm. and the Nathan goggles aren't very far sighted. You can't, plan for the future you live in the day and you when he was going through his radiation and we didn't have to go to radiation on Saturday and Sunday that was like a celebration we didn't have to go to the hospital we didn't have to go to the doctor we could just be normal for two days and you really appreciate those things and even knowing you have hard things ahead sure one of the amazing things that I've always known about you in the recent in recent memory is how you can look at someone like Brent and I with with 
you know, tears in our eyes and these bereaved parents, you're helping, obviously you're helping them how you keep it together. And you're so strong. That is absolutely amazing. Amazing. It's, thank you. It's <laughs> I don't know how you do it, but it's, it's, that's one of the incredible things about you. Thank there's you. many, there's many of them, Kathy. I mean, this is incredible. These people are drawing, you're drawing power from this thing that you have now and you wear it so well. I'm so proud of what you've done. And this is incredible. We all know that Nathan is proud and there's no question, but thank you for what you do for all these people, for us, for friends, for just being the person you are. Thank you. We were honored to have you on our show. Thank you for sharing your story. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, thank you for thank giving you. me the opportunity. Thank Absolutely. You. I appreciate it a lot. That's Kathy Lynn, folks. Uh, <laughs> what else can you say? This lady is one of the special ones. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Roxo Media House.